ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Hello, ho, 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 ho. Well, a ho, 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 indeed. It is our Christmas special. It feels like only yesterday it was the last Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the first one on this channel. So let's just jump straight into it with the Christmas invasion. Here we are, then. That's the Doctor. What do you mean, that's the Doctor? Doctor who? It's us. They're after us. Help me. Did you miss me? The Christmas specials started off proper with the Christmas invasion. How old would you guys have been around this time, 2005? I was 14. Oh, wow. I was 16. <laughs> okay. I was like, that's, that's not too bad. That's 23. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I remember Had we this... known each other, you'd be buying us booze right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think a few more questions would be asked if we knew each other back then. <laughs> We're podcasting, mate. What's yeah. a podcast? <laughs> uh... This was a Christmas my parents had decided they were going to go to Spain because they wanted to be by themselves. And I was looking forward to just being by myself on Christmas Day. Mm. I, thought, uh, I thought you were about to say you ruined their Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You've managed to keep them at home. No, no, <laughs> so they please, no. We have to stay for Doctor Who. <laughs> they ended up coming home because my mum got really ill. Okay. Regardless, my aunt was like, "Well, you're not spending Christmas Day by yourself. You're coming here." Aww. So I went around there and I got to watch the Christmas evasion with my little cousin Joey, who's now like a big like 30 year old but he <laughs> would have been about 10 at the time and it was great because it was my first experience of watching it with a kid because i never had that growing up i never had doctor who to look forward to when i was young because it didn't come back till i was like 22 23 mm. so it was great to watch it through his eyes and experience that Ooh. so i'm just wondering when you guys were 14 and 16 what was it like for you every year family go around to our gra my grandparents and they have always had a strict rule to, that television is banned they won't let us watch anything they believe we should talk to each other how, how horribly insociable is that i mean <laughs> but then obviously after parting of the parting of the ways and um i heard there was it was coming back at christmas i i said i pleaded with her and said please please can i just just for an hour watch this it would really mean a lot I, and uh kindly she let me uh every year since um so so i'm a bit indifferent about it not being on this year but uh, uh and last year because it was it just means i just can't watch it <laughs> it was like a, um, a negotiation to say please nan can i please watch it <laughs> so it was quite exciting very exciting and i remember getting my and we'd have like usually the guys it would be so it'd be like me my dad uh, my brother um i don't think my little brother was that interested at the time no he would have been three and my granddad and so we'll be sitting there watching doctor who it was it was a really joyous good few years until everyone grew up and hated them we had a similar rule in our house at christmas uh, but it was the complete opposite it was that the television had to be on at christmas and we weren't to talk to each other under any circumstances <laughs> uh, and seriously like we've always just it seems to me that like we are one of those families where it was like you were up at six or seven in the morning the telly went on and it didn't go off until christmas night yeah um when my <laughs> and uh, so i was very freaked out to spend christmas with my other half now my wife uh, the first christmas i spent with her and her family they were like right telly off and mm. it freaked me the hell out 
I was like, well, how do you know what time it is? Look at your phone. Like, well, no, you need to know. I, I can't be looking at phones and clocks. I need to know, right, the Queen's been on, it's three. You know, Doctor Who's on, it's five. And I'm, that's the first year I think I missed Doctor Who Christmas special. At this point, I remember, I think I wrote an article about this for We Are Cult. Um, magazine, which was kind of my experiences of the wilderness years. Mm. By the time Doctor Who had come back in 2005, I wasn't interested. I hadn't watched an episode for a good three, four years or something. And I was 16 at this point, so the fact it was coming back, I remember thinking... pathetic oh he's gonna watch this this is gonna flop because of how unpopular it was when i was a kid i was literally only one out of all my friends who liked it something i always you know me and all all my friends and and me were into shows like you know power rangers biker marsh from mars sure but doctor who was something i just enjoyed on my own sometimes with my sisters and that like it wasn't a a popular thing so when it came back i thought well who's this gonna be for no one's gonna like this and obviously it came back on that day one i watched it kind of thinking you know being 16 i kind of watched ironically good God, uh, how shit is this going to be? Watched it, and it was actually really good. And then it became very popular and through all, all age groups as well. Like a lot of people at my school at the time watched it. Um, not not necessarily fanatically, but ju- it was just yeah. a show that people would watch, like Game of Thrones or, or you know, uh, Mad Men or just one of those sort of r- long-running dramas that everybody was watching at the time, Lost, Heroes. It was all sort of, sort of quite... Yeah. It was quite a fashionable thing to watch in 2005 very, very quickly. So therefore, yeah, when the Christmas invasion... And I kind of watched it... To, it's very strange. That first series... Doctor Who. I always remember watching it, not really as a Doctor Who fan as I was as a child. I watched it as a brand new show. It wasn't until the Tenant era, with a few more references to the past, that I started still enjoying it as a modern day drama, but also enjoying it as the fan as I was. And now I kind of just watch it as kind of the fan I was as a child. And it's great to do that. And it's great how big it is in the mainstream now. But I I watched it on Mm. Christmas Day, again, around my grandparents' house. We always had the tradition that we would go there in the afternoon and stay there till the late evening. So it it came nice in a way that part of that tradition, unfortunately, we don't do it any now, uh, do it anymore now as my um, my nan's passed away. But it was always Christmas dinner at ours and then over there and we'd always watch the Doctor Who Christmas special in the afternoon. Uh, but that first one, I remember wanting to watch on my own. I was I went off into another room to watch <laughs> it because it was a new Doctor and suddenly it felt a big deal. And I was like, I remember thinking when I was younger watching Doctor Who, how big a deal must it have felt to have a new Doctor? Because yeah. we never experienced that. And here I was experiencing it for the first time. I remember being re- really quite excited by it. I mean, I watched it back the other day. I, I've done a bit of, bit of uh, homework this time for the podcast i've gone back and watched some old episodes nice. and i've been i've watched them with completely new eyes if i'm being honest the christmas invasion i think is actually it's not the best kind of story the baddies are pretty cool i think it was a very very clever way of introducing a new doctor from um russell t davis the way that i didn't really realize it till now but the doctor essentially is kept from us all the way through yeah and it follows rose sort of coming to terms with it which is uh, is usually what well, I suppose what some of these people I don't know if it was that de- deeply shown in previous classic series mm. um, apart from maybe Perry who had to deal, go from having a really nice dashing young doctor to an absolute prick yeah uh, it, was, it was never really sort of because they usually do keep the companion as a transition i mean even robot mm. robot might be the closest that's ever had like the companion sort of try to deal with this new doctor i don't think there, ha- there has been in, in, in any other in the other way but no it was yeah i get what you mean it's they did it quite well and it savors it because it is the last 15 minutes if you ever want to skip to a bit it's that yeah. to watch and it is so great yeah well, I, think, I think i remember I mean, I don't think genuinely I've watched this for about 12 years. 
or something because I mm. remember watching it quite resentfully. I, was, I mean, I'll say now I'm not a big David Tennant fan in in the sense of i mean i think all the doctors are great i don't think there's ever been a bad doctor who he's probably down at the bottom for my favorites i to me i found the character was just a little bit too human for me a little bit cheesy at, at times and that's not like a massive criticism i do there's loads of yeah. stories that i really love but for me i didn't find him as as enjoyable as matt smith or, or, or eccleston and eccleston i thought was brilliant i really felt that his doctor was so different to this kind of because I, I feel like doctor who as a character was made a, a had become a bit of a joke. I mean, we had to, we knew, in one of the previous episodes, we talk, talked about uh, Curse of Fatal Death, and there are all these kind of doctorisms in that Rowan Atkinson character, the whole I'll explain later, the kind yeah. of scarf, the, the fact they can just change and it's fine, he doesn't die. So Eccleston gave him a real kind of gritty it was a good gritty character. So people forget this. When they announced that the bloke from Blackpool and Casanova took over, people weren't that thrilled. When no, they weren't. Everyone remembers the hate that Matt Smith got, and they'll probably remember the, the you know the criticism of jo- what Jodie Whittaker got. But people forget that it happened to David Tennant as well. I mean, how many, I think it happens to all of them, doesn't it? I mean, really, it does. Yeah, yeah. Because Patrick Troughton believed when he took over the role that he was the man who killed Doctor Who, and uh, and he didn't. Um, but it it yeah, there's always been a bit of a flack. The people there were people that weren't quite happy with Troughton when he started. I think the only one that won people over. Perhaps Perhaps maybe I'm not sure if Tom Baker, Tom Baker, maybe John mm. Pertwee definitely did. Yeah, he, uh, he, the John Pertwee, I think his entire thing just shook up the whole show for the better immediately and got off to a rocking start. But yeah, most of the doctors have all have had that sort of backlash. I remember, I do remember the people. I wasn't too keen on it either. David Tennant taking over at the time, and then sort of forgot about it by the time he did actually regenerate. Because it just dawned on me. I said, what's happening here? Oh, oh my God, he's regenerating. Yeah. And then uh, after that, it's all fun. Do you remember the... Yeah, we talked about the children need special in one of the previous ones. But obviously, yeah. they did that that scene before the Christmas invasion. That I was, was exciting. I was about to mention that because I feel like that was 50%. Watching back on that now, that's, that's kind of half brilliant and half absolutely awful because it, it starts off this really nice bit where he's changed and she yeah. doesn't believe him and he does that whole holding her hand and saying when we first met run yeah. and then he does this awful stuff of, <laughs> it, well, I, yeah yeah and it's and it's kind of him going oh, bleh, oh, and it's just him making noises and he just looks like an idiot. Like, he's so badly done. And you think, oh, Christ, like, thank God this wasn't the ending to the Christmas episode. I think it was really good. Yeah. In a simple way, they have done with Pertwee as well. They kind of they kept you away from the Doctor for a little while. Mm-hmm. They made you realise that you needed him as a character. And I think that was very cleverly done. You, I mean, the, the clever thing that Russell T. Davies did was go, shit, what if people don't like David Tennant? And what he did is he cleverly went, right, people love Eccleston, people love Billy Piper. Ah, I've still got Billy Piper. Let's make two-thirds of the story about Billy Piper as Rose. So the whole episode is her struggling. And then they also brought back another popular character in um, Harriet Harriet Jones. And, uh, yeah, and uh, somehow made her horrible. I remember being quite excited by it and the whole unit showing up in it for the first time as well, properly. That was a really exciting thing. And obviously you got the sort of... I thought the hand-cutting-off thing was weird at the time. Mm. The the build-up to it, to when he appeared, is, is I didn't realise. I mean, what, like I said, I watched it the other day. Mm. It properly gives me goosebumps, and it didn't it does, give me that before. I think when I first watched it, it was a bit of nervousness of, oh god, here comes this sort of floppy head, 
Jarvis Cocker looking fella. But when I watched it the other day and knowing the history now of how big Tennant is in the history of Doctor Who, it's a clever idea to have basically all the popular characters from series one stuck in the ship. Like they are really yeah. up shit creek with this situation and, and nothing good yeah. happens. And then suddenly there's did that music builds and the doors open and did you miss me? I'm just watching that now. I went, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I, I remember being quite excited, extremely excited at the time. And, and, because that was obviously that was the point we really got to see him, and he immediately makes you laugh. Yeah, as well. Am I ginger? Starts doing his uh. No wait, that's the Lion King. You know all that's these things, all these lines, and it's just it's great, and uh, just ruins the whole Sycorax plan by actually realising they were bluffing the whole time. Yeah, I like that thing. It happens more in the new series, I'll be honest. It did happen mm. in the old series as well, but it's just that moment when you can just see the baddie is just fucked. You know, he just looks yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. shit. Like, because he, he comes out, he grabs the whip, and that's someone's eye out with that. And then he just <laughs> goes to hit him with the stick. I didn't even remember this line. He snaps the stick and says, can't get the staff. And that is, yeah, I yeah. burst out laughing watching that the other day. I just, I had to rewind it and watch that bit again. Because I thought, hang on, I don't remember this being that epic. That is so funny. And then he does the whole, the big red button thing. And, uh, you know, he realized, like you were saying, realizes they're bluffing. And it's just like, that is what the Doctor is. He's that good that he could, this species really never had a chance against the human race. Absolutely. But they didn't, they were small potatoes to the doctor like it was so easy for him it was lovely done yeah no it was it was good i'm just it was just yeah it was just an exciting moment i i, I remember like the next day because we would record it on uh, vhs yeah, so i I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd, so i played it back again and again just those bits because i still think it's actually one of the better christmas specials they've actually done i'll say that now it's <laughs> my favorite one <laughs> As we all move on up the chain of them, <laughs> uh, we'll just say we've, we'll save the uh, worst till last. No, I still think it's one of the better, if not the best, Christmas special they have done since. Which is why I'm indifferent about them doing one this year as well. Because I just, I've just, as we'll discuss, I find that after this point, there's only so many Christmas settings you could, stories you could do, and it before it becomes a gimmick or too Christmassy. And uh, yeah. We'll get there in a minute. I shall descend upon this earth. You shouldn't even exist. Are you reversed? Now! Prepare your best medicines, Doctor Man. Get me to the church! Donna! Am I safe? I'm not about to lose someone else. It's Christmas. This planet shall be scorched! Doctor Who. After EastEnders on BBC One. I didn't like it when I first saw it. Neither did I. I thought it was just crap. I, to be fair, I wasn't a massive fan of Catherine Tate either. At that. I, st- I still don't think much of her stuff was that funny. Uh, Nan maybe being the exception, but even that up to a point. And I just found it was just a Catherine Tate character, uh, a sketch character who just stayed for 60 minutes. Didn't like it. Um, I didn't think it was that great at all. Watching it back, I can sort of appreciate it a bit more. But generally, I thought it was a bit pants. <laughs> I was the same. I hate, I still to this day, I apologise to all your listeners. Well, our listeners now, you know. 
Our listeners, I apologise to everybody in the world, in fact, because uh, Series 2 of Doctor Who remains my least favourite ever. It's a very, yeah, I don't know. And I know people love it because of the Rose Doctor thing. That's the reason that put me off it. Uh, Yes, same. It ruined Billy, it ruined Rose for me. Because Rose yeah. was so much better with nine than she was with ten, and with ten, she's trying yeah. to do and trying to emulate him. To their credit, though, they did make that a part of the story. When Jackie sees her later on, says, "I don't really recognise you anymore." But don't run away, Bride. I just got we got the ends. I was like, I don't even know what's happening in this. <laughs> it's just this robot Santa's again, a giant spider creature played by Sarah Parrish, who he God, mess- yeah, it's her, isn't it? I always thought of it of them trying to slowly, one by one, bring all the uh, Blackpool cast in. in yeah. Because uh, uh, so, so you got Sarah Parrish there, David Morrissey, as we get to, comes up in another one. In one, mm. another Christmas, by all means. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't think of who else in the in the show, but it does seem to tie them in somehow. It was. Um... It was a uh, it was a strange one because I I didn't like series two as I said I mean I remember watching the first couple of episodes of series two and thinking oh this is dead then what a shame I genuinely thought Doctor Who was dead not realizing now how popular it was you know it, yeah. it, the series carried on and it wasn't until a few months later or, or sorry a few episodes in they did a report saying oh the, the show's never been more popular than ever you know this is massive and, and it was on telly a lot more and I thought oh okay because I think it got to Tooth, uh, Tooth and Claw, the second episode, and I thought, this is dead. I thought, there's no way they're going to, you know, with the Doctor doing the whole, oh, my hearts are beating up a samba or whatever. It, oh, I just thought, this is, this, they've ruined a really, this was a really good idea. I re- yeah, I, I didn't like New, York, New Earth at all. New Earth, I think, is probably my least favourite episode of all time. Yeah, it's terrible. Tooth and Claw, I didn't mind. Um, school union, school union was a was a bit of a fan joyous one because yeah, I, we got Sarah Jane. Like, yeah, but um, Sidemen's story I quite enjoyed. Um, what else was there? We had the, obviously the Satan Pit, which I still think is one of the best two parters shows done. But the rest of it, I, I thought was just a bit bit naff. <laughs> I mean, uh, apart from the apart from the ending, of course, so I, I still think Army oh, of Ghosts slash Doomsday. Are, pretty good but oh see i, I hated all of that <laughs> thinking of uh going back and watching series two because i only ever watched it in 2006 i've never revisited it i've actually got it on dvd i've never watched it so i'm thinking of revisiting it recently for the pure reason that the other day i for the first time since christmas 2006 watched the runaway bride and i really enjoyed it yeah same i, I... really really enjoyed it for this, I was only able to fit in three Christmas specials, and I did The Christmas Invasion, The Runaway Bride, and Voyage of the Damned. But I think I enjoy The Runaway Bride a lot more now because I know what happened to Donna, and I got to see her evolution. So now when I go back, that inflects what I think about The Runaway I remember, Bride. I remember when they uh, announced, uh, you know, just before Series 4, that Donna was coming back, and I was like, mm. you've fucking joking yeah same, same. <laughs> I, I was already like you, who watches this shit <laughs> who writes it like, who sat there and watched the runaway brian and thought yeah we better bring her back that should be worth. <laughs> and obviously i i you know i put my hand on my heart believe that it was the best decision they've ever made still one of the best companions the show has had same um and best dynamic and so, yeah, like you say, Martin, looking back at it, I can enjoy Runaway Bride. I just didn't like it at the time, right. as you say. And uh, But it's a lot more enjoyable, as you say, because you now notice it. It's quite interesting how 
I mean, like, even if we go, we'll, we'll get there eventually. But um, and if this podcast goes on into its third consecutive hour, but um, Matt Lucas appeared in one Christmas special yes. in a quite a, in an equally shit way. In fact, and uh, I still say it was a shit episode, uh, yeah. appearance of him in there. And yet they brought him back and fleshed him out a bit, which was which surprised us. Mm. So I agree. I agree. That series ten was was great. I agreed with what you said about when they announced um, Donna was coming back. Um, mm. At the time, obviously there wasn't this online community, but had had there been, oh god, had there been, Chris, yeah. I would have gone full on Elbatron or Bolstrek about this. <laughs> Honestly, I would be there making my YouTube channels going. <laughs> on our show that has been born next to me that would have been me every time I hear him get angry I go you're a pathetic little man child but then I remember my reaction when my mum said oh good news Kevin Tate's coming back for series 4 Doctor Who I went mental at the woman <laughs> she was like Sam you're 18 years old your girlfriend doesn't look impressed with you getting angry about casting in a kids show I'm like I, I don't care my mum and livid I'm livid <laughs> but she, but the thing is I do remember that series 2 I didn't enjoy, and it ended on Catherine Tate, who at the time I didn't enjoy, just going, oh, where am I? Where is this place? Essentially being Lauren off of uh, her sketch show. And I just thought this can't get any worse. And the first few minutes of um, The Runaway Bride, she is quite um, overbearing, you know. Yeah. Where am I? And I do, although I did laugh when he says, "You're inside the TARDIS." My, she goes, <laughs> she goes, "What are you saying? You're just saying words." And I just <laughs> think that's such a good character line. And it is quite a sweet episode, really. The way that he's pissed off at her, but then he realizes, "Hang on, she's having a bad day." Yeah. And then she realizes with him that he's lost someone, and eventually it all comes together quite nicely. Yeah. I hated it at the time, and mm. I was part of the online fan community in these days. <laughs> uh, it was known as the SFX Forum. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on there, and when they posted promo material for Series 4, I commented, the only thing wrong with this picture is Catherine Tate. <laughs> oh, God. And I hold my hands up now. After like seeing Series 4, I was wrong. She Donna's one of the strongest companions we've ever had. Yeah. And going back and watching The Runaway Bride now, I can appreciate the story and the character so much more after Series 4. Agreed. The one thing I, I find is, I, I've, sorry, I've forgotten the act, actor's name again who plays the spider. Um, Sarah Parrish. I mean, I always found her quite a, um, a straight actor. Like, she was in a program at the time, I think, that was about hairdressing. Yeah. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Final Cut or Scissor Cut or something like that. And she was always a very sort of straightforward actor. She always sort of appeared in kind of ITV dramas. And, and to see yeah. her really just going for it as this spider was brilliant. She's yeah, yeah. so funny as that spider. Have your fun. Yeah, something like that. Like snapper, and I just thought that's such a good line. Like, and it looks cool. That spider looks mental. (laughs) I've always wondered just what does Lance's family think happened to him? Oh yeah, because all they all they see is that this guy turns up with Donna after she just disappeared. Then the three of them leave together, and he never comes back. And like, he's clearly got friends and family at that wedding. What what did they think was going on, or did they just chalk it down that he must have died in? the commotion i do think that's something russell t davis yeah. quite a lot was kill off characters and think well at some point someone would probably say something yeah. um, you know what i mean like it's it is a funny one like yeah that that's true because she sort of 
when she when she lands and you know goes back to her family you can see her mum and her dad and she's just like i'm going in now for christmas dinner <laughs> it's like surely you're gonna have to go back and go mum dad lance is dead yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact she thought she the first thing she's going to do is just go back and have dinner. Let's not forget there were freaking explosions in there in the, <laughs> the reception. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Wilf does say something in series four. He says, "Oh, Lance, God bless him," or something like that. So I guess maybe they just assumed he died in one of those yeah. explosions. Oh, thank God that line got put in. <laughs> I, mean, I love the way Russell T Davies sort of went. Oh, I need to. Uh, I need to do the thing. He always. <laughs> You know, I need to do the the, the thing. I put up I, I make sure Wilf, you know, puts that in, and you know, and, he, and it's just like <laughs> it probably that's just the way he got out of it. We shoot. I mean, to be really fair, there's a big gap between her and series four, so you'd hope that somewhere in there, she says, if we say that he was he, he was killed by maybe that because that star thing came down, didn't it, and started shooting yeah. everyone. You could have said it was to do with that. So should we move on to Voyage of the Damned? Right. Titanic. Um. Over the name? So you travel a lot? No way. Check your scanners, Captain. You've got meteors coming in and no shielding. Look out the windows! Information. You are all going to die. Bad day for a ship. I don't think it was an accident. I will get you out of here, Astrid. I promise. We're going to save the Titanic. I've got life signs all over the ship, but they're going out one by one. I'm the Doctor. The man is going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. The first sort of cinematic episode, I would have thought, wasn't it? Yeah, was this the first one in HD? No, but they actually advertised this in cinemas. I remember like Voyage of the Dam trailers being on before I saw a film. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. I remember Series 4 being advertised in cinemas. They must have done it because the cinema, the trailers got really cinematic. Yeah. Uh, And I remember um, starting with Voyage of the Damned. That was quite cool to see. I guess if you've got Kylie Minogue, you want to promote that as heavily as possible. Yeah. Yeah, they, that was... I mean, that is... Looking at it, that is a big casting, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew she was going to be in it, and they did. there was quite a lot of media attention around Voyage of the um, Voyage of the Damned. And I will say as well, I, at the time and now, I did enjoy Voyage of the Damned. And I, I do. I still I think it's great. I, I just, I, <laughs> it's a bit of a siege under attack um, story. Yeah. And I like the kind of the I like anything with the doctors with a few with a few people and they then they go on a bit of an adventure because you know some of them are going to die. I think it is a quite a nice story. I think the the villain turning out to be just an it's just an insurance scam mm. uh, sort of thing undermines it a bit. But uh, that's the bit I wasn't that keen on. But the rest of it I thought was just cinematic brilliance. I remember like like I say in the cinema they did put on that trailer it's I'm the Doctor I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Custerbrus and he does that speech to mm. the camera um, you know to uh, Rickston Slade um, no it's a really I thought it was quite no, I, just, I still really enjoy it. I thought I thought it was a good bit of fun. I didn't really. <laughs> I didn't know after. I, I was supposed. I was still thinking of the run, Runaway Bride, and thinking this is going to be better. <laughs> I mean, the, the Rick, first of all, I want to call out the Rixton Slade character, who's brilliant because he was. I forgot the actor's name, but that guy at the time was playing the most droll, boring Scottish guy in coronation street just kind of such a nothing character in a soap Mm. you know when you see like a nothing character in a soap and you think you've really landed on your feet do you know what i mean (laughs) like a real just sort of nothing character like i'm trying to think of someone but they're so nothing that it's hard to think of and you think where did you come from 
Like, how do you just land in an acting role like this? <laughs> and, and he was that in Corey. He was such a boring character. And suddenly he's in this, and he's full of life. He's quite an interesting character. Because although he's a bit of a baddie, and, you know, that they do that interesting thing at the end that he survives and none of the good people did. If you watch it all, you realise he's one of the first people to realise something's wrong. So he has got quite a brain on him. Bit of a character that's kind of forgotten but i think he's a really good character for doctor who because he, he doesn't necessarily change his only form of change might be that he just books elsewhere you mm. know that's the <laughs> only sort of <laughs> rich uh, sort of aristocratic development for him but uh yeah i, I thought it was a bold move at the end for them you know for him to survive and it does make that point of well as clive swift uh, says uh, if you could choose who lives and who dies then you'd be a monster whilst we're talking about clive swift we should bring up the best ever interview dwm has ever had genius it's an interview with a man who doesn't want to be interviewed but bless him ben jimmin keeps at it he didn't like being recorded because he said he felt like he had to perform he got frustrated that benjamin didn't know shorthand and he didn't understand mm. why he was doing the interview when he wasn't getting paid uh, uh, so he, was, he gave some brilliant answers though it's like something along the lines of uh it says what do you think this character you know brings to it or something and he goes well you've watched the thing haven't you <laughs> <laughs> you tell me <laughs> I just turn up and read the scripts. <laughs> Do you think it's just that he's one of these kind of this class of old school actors who oh, kind yeah. of they just don't I have mean, time for it anymore? No, I mean, I, I mean, back probably his day, actors were seen as this this certain level, this kind of real artistic level. I think his early career was probably quite highly regarded, and he ended up just being remembered as Richard from yeah. a sitcom. I think mm-hmm. he could be part of this school of comedians who felt they deserved more in their career, but ended up being kind of cast in sitcoms and television when they felt like they were destined for um, for movies. I wonder if he's a bit like that. I mean, and it's a shame in a way, because he is so sweet in the episode. He's such oh, he's, a lovely character. I guess that just goes to prove that he's a good actor. Well, kid, Martin has gone for a little wee-wee. If you're gonna explode, you can use the commode In igloos, cave dwellings, or tents No need to explain when you got a drain Don't whiz on the electric fence You can swizz on the sofa Piddle in the air Tinkle in the toilet That's why it is there the next doctor here yeah. first half of it is great second half is complete bollocks <laughs> annoyingly they answered the mystery that they wanted to hear in the first half of it yeah it was a really clever thing it was crap really because there was no way we believed that tenant was regenerating so they had the sort of double whammy of it didn't they because they had obviously in uh journey's end well stolen earth he regenerates to the cliffhanger so then they start the speculation oh my god is he who's the new doctor going to be and people really believe but they didn't realize the fact that he already filmed a christmas special yeah so we sort of do well that's not you and then they announced it's going to be called the next doctor and they sort of marketed it as if it was going to be his replacement. To be fair, it does a really good job of convincing you. And almost to the point, it almost convinces you that actually I quite like David Morrissey. And then it answers it in half an hour. And then the rest of it has a some of the dodgiest uh, 
CGI uh, Cyber King crap. I enjoyed the first half of it, and I enjoyed the Cybermen in it a lot more up until the Cyber King bit. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I prefer the more steampunky looking Cybermen. It wasn't that. It was up until they take over, I forgot her name, the rather attractive woman in the red dress. Oh, the one for a good night, sweetheart. Um, oh, Durfler, yeah. some so, Irish woman's name. Several, oh, yeah. several in something. Interestingly, she is now playing Miss Quill for Big Finish in the class audios. That's quite a good color. Uh, she's, she's, yeah. I was like, Whoa, yeah, okay. Um, back to, back to the room. Uh, <laughs> um, before the Simon take her over, they actually, act, um, in a way, act like their own villain. They didn't have a human. This is the one thing I've always found that ruins Daleks and Cybermen is that they have a human spokesperson. Sure. It sort of takes it up to a point, up to that point, you've got the Cybermen being quite sinister and they've got plans and they're, they're doing things and then suddenly they take over her and then she speaks for them. I thought the first half was good, the second half, nah. I didn't see the need of bringing the Cybermen into it. I mean, the Cybermen have been pretty mistreated in the new series, I think. I really don't enjoy any Cyberman stories. The season finale of series 10 is quite good. But again, they're not a massive part of it, the Cybermen. It's more about the master. So, and I feel that in this, like they don't ever feel like the big players in a story. And I did like this episode, though. I, I find it quite a sweet episode. If you remember, series four ended quite depressingly with him on his own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to have him kind of come out and just enjoying himself. And the bit where the tenth Doctor really does believe that's the Doctor is quite nice. The bit when they get yeah. pulled up by the rope and then they land and then they hug each other. And then he goes, my companion always getting me into trouble. And he sort of goes, oh, well, they do, though, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. They have that moment of like, oh, he knows who I am and I know who he is. And it's quite nice. And then, then you get this moment of the Doctor not... Be- it's quite nice the way it goes back and forward. The way, first of all, the Doctor thinks, oh, God, it's not him. And then he says since the Cybermen, and then he suddenly takes attention to go, okay, no, it's got to be me, because he's mentioned the Cybermen. Okay. Yeah. And then later on again, he's like, no, okay, it's not him. He checks his heart. And then he unleashes that, that um, I forgot what it's called. Uh, it, it's, you know, something that shoots the Cybermen, basically, and, and knocks them out. And he goes, only the Doctor could do that. And then he realizes, yeah. oh, no, hang on, it's not. Then we get our first ever look at, we actually get our first physical look at the old Doctors in the new series. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. The first time. Apparently, I'm, not sure, I'm sure I've heard, though, is uh, Paul McGann was elated by that scene because he didn't, he felt like he failed. I'm just, I can't remember who I was talking to. There was a thing of, he was really sort of, before Big Finish, he felt like he'd had a shot and he failed doing the TV movie. And when the new series come back, it was quite... You know, it must have been a bit hard-hitting to say they're doing a new series and they're just skipping you. But it was the first time he actually got to see himself on the new show and it made it canon and made it feel like he did exist. So it's quite a lovely sort of moment, really, in that respect when I heard that. You know, it was Julie Gardner that pushed for that. Really? Russell T. Davis had written in the script that it just shows loads of the 10th Doctor. And Julie Gardner said, go on, for the fans, put every Doctor in there. That's good. Did you ever see the... um? deleted alternative ending to journey's end looks fucking dreadful <laughs> oh yeah wasn't it again benjamin cook who persuaded him not to do it 
I don't know. I hope whoever it was had sense. It was terrible. It rings a bell because I've read the writer's tale and I seem to remember there's an email conversation where Ben Cook says, I think it's a lot more hard hitting just to leave it at the end and not to have the what, what. But Russell T. Davis wanted that continuity of the what, what that had been happening for the past few years. I'm glad they dropped that because that got annoying by Voyage of the Damned. Uh, (laughs) Why did uh, they... What, why would they have explained that? Because I have seen the clip where the Cybermen kind of get up behind they him. They around in the turn up, don't they? Yeah. yeah, so what was he going to do? Quickly fry them and then go on for the story? It was weird. It was, wasn't it? The one thing I will say about that, I did love the period setting for, for Christmas. Mm. The sort yeah. of Victorian in the workshop. Um, street urchins, all that. It was quite, it was quite a very nice scenic uh, Christmas sort of setting and actually didn't necessarily until the end really matter that it was Christmas either yeah that's a good um, point yeah. that was something that I quite liked um, obviously at the end he says come along and have some Christmas dinner I'm a bit like Alan Partridge doing it there, but, uh, <laughs> come along and have some Christmas dinner so we got some lovely uh, Yorkshire puddings and Brussels sprouts the worst bit of the story for me is that giant <laughs> cyberman of the yeah the Cyber King, just terrible. Any attempt to do anything remotely Godzilla-like, no matter how advanced in CGI, total bollocks. I've never seen it work, ever. They're effectively, their job, their job is to expand and just convert everyone they bump into. And yet, <laughs> yet sorry, they've got a massive fucking version of themselves. They're basically Power Rangers. I was expecting the Doctor to have his own bloody suit, and it would just have the like uh, Power Rangers fight. <laughs> I was just remembered the image of her sat in that like seat, with <laughs> and then next to her, it looks as mental. And this is one thing that I meant that I forgot was <laughs> I remember watching Kylie Minogue die in Voyage of the Damned, and it being like, oh god, so sad. But watching back, she's she's a little forklift. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not driving the forklift. Yeah. It's just the fact that she's sat in a forklift. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like it's a bit like if there's like a dramatic scene in a in a movie where somebody dies in a car crash, and there's like those final like those sort of dramatic moments of them in the car, like. Going off a cliff, like no, they're going to die. And now imagine they're in a smart car sponsored by Heart FM. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, just, it just looks awful. It's like so you've got Kylie Minogue sat in a forklift, right? Which uh, and then in the next one you've got her sat in this weird seat with two Cybermen next to her, wearing this kind of stupid hat. And it's like, <laughs> And do you know what? He had a habit of doing this, Russell T. Davis, because the same thing happens when River Song dies. Like, there's that great moment of, you know, River, you know my name. She's going, oh, sweetie, just, you know, but she's wearing a stupid, like, electric head thing. And it's like, (laughs) I'll stop making people look stupid before they die, you know. (laughs) So badly done. You're right. The mystery of the whole selling point of that, the next Doctor, is who is he and why does he think he's the Doctor? Doctor. Like that is the thing. And once you've worked that out, you get that nice cheesy ending where he says, Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor, everyone give him a round of applause. That's quite nice. And also his character stops at that point. Mm, There's yeah. no point he comes back. 
Like I was expecting him to show up in the final as a final saving act. Like Doctor might, have, I don't know, he ends up saving the day or something, or turning up and being the Doctor. He's, he's not. He's just the moment the, the Doctor finds out he's not the Doctor, the Doctor steals the limelight from him. Yeah, he's just pointless. All he is is just standing down below, going, "Well done, sir." That's, <laughs> That's true. true. Yes, that would have made more sense, wouldn't it, to have him say them at the end of the day and say, you've done something more brave than the Doctor's ever done. You put your one human life on the line. Something like that. Yes. That would have made more sense. I wonder if it was kind of scheduling and they couldn't get David Morrissey for that long. They randomly shoehorned Ryan off EastEnders, who they who EastEnders thought were going to be a heartthrob. They shoehorned him in to the episode for no reason. He's the dark he's the dark haired guy who Rosetta kind of looks like she's got a bit of a thing with. Oh yeah, Ryan off EastEnders. It was there for no other reason than the fact that they went, well, he's probably going to be a heartthrob in the soap this year. And the other thing to mention is, recently I watched a, a Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast with mm. David Martin. They mentioned him being in Doctor Who. And they said, what was that like, basically? And he said it was really weird. Basically, he got a call from Russell T. Davis saying, Listen, David's leaving. Nobody knows, but he's leaving. Your episode's called The Next Doctor, so there'll probably be some rumours going around that you're the next Doctor. Please don't tell anyone it's not you. And I said, oh, okay. I said, but, I, you know, I can tell my kids. And he went, no. I said, you live in North London. One of your kids obviously knows somebody who works for a newspaper or something like that. They'll go out. So they couldn't tell. So for months and months, the rumour was coming out. And my kids were like, are we moving to Cardiff? And I was like, I can't tell you. <laughs> Do your homework, I might tell you. And so they had to deal with this thing. And then I got a little insight into what it was like. You know, people were camping outside my house, taking photographs and stuff. And then it didn't happen, you know, didn't they? Because I, I knew it wasn't going to yeah, happen, yeah, yeah. you know. So it was, it was no surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tuning in going, hang on a minute. It's Matt Smith. So basically, <laughs> he had to lie to people and almost pretend he was going to be the next Doctor. That must be amazing, like, for a week. <laughs> fun. I mean, apparently David Morrissey did say to him, like, so do you want me to tell him I am going to be a doctor? No, 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 you're not allowed to say anything. So at the time, he was doing press for, like, other films and was like, oh, God, now I'm suddenly I've got this gag on me for this show I did a couple of months ago. <laughs> Can you imagine, that must that must dissuade other producers from even contacting him because they'll just be Probably. thinking, oh, he might be the next Doctor Who. So, you know, yeah. that's him contracted for five years. What's the point? Well, I think they, hmm, I don't know, I suppose, but... If they kept it harsh and it was just between the two of them, it wouldn't necessarily have been that much of an impact. I, I reckon David must have told his agent. <laughs> you know, just, just say, look, he's not the next Doctor. He's just been asked to. Because, yeah, as you rightly said, they will put off work. And they go, boy, he's going to be the next Doctor. There's no point in signing him on for this mega contract. <laughs> so, yeah, the next Doctor, yeah. And then obviously that kick-started the specials, didn't it? doesn't really start off the... It doesn't start off the whole knock four times. That's the next one, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. So the next Christmas one was... The End of Time, part one. Christ. I mean, he's, I mean that is... Genuinely, if you if you think about it, and this is one thing I always do actually at Christmas, I watch Charles Dickens' Ninth Doctor episode. Oh, oh the Unquiet yeah, Dead. Yeah. The Unquiet Dead. See, that is set at Christmas, and I genuinely think it's more Christmassy than the End of Time. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. So that that to me is like almost like 
Eccleston's Christmas special. There's only many stories you can do set at Christmas. If you try and force Christmas down, it, it sort of ruins it a bit, which is uh, obviously after end of time, the next one we have <laughs> is a Christmas carol, and it's the most Christmassy over-the-top <laughs> thing you can have. Can I take the, given the fact that we're all struggling to say something about the end of time, that this is our least favourite of the set? Didn't mind it. <laughs> um, oh, I hated it when it came on. Oh, yeah, I'll be honest. Um, I I watched this again the other day, and I didn't. Um, I I wasn't a big fan. I mean, I I remember at this point being quite glad that Russell T Davis is on the way out. I mean, the Rassilon as a character was was a bit. Uh, um, I found the ending quite cool, but the only thing I just could I didn't like about it was that uh, the waters of Mars built up a sort of something bigger. Yeah, it did, didn't it? It had this sort of, the Doctor's gone too far, the Ood turns up, Ood Sigma turns up and sort of says, your time is coming. And then I thought there was going to be consequences to what he does, but there isn't. It's completely shrugged off. No, he, he just he turned up wearing up. a hat and like... Oh, that was stupid. That was stupid. I remember, I remember what, they put that clip up for children in need. And I did, yeah. This is bollocks. Um, he says, I've locked it like a car. See? See? Yeah. I've locked it like a car. He's over there. I've locked it. And it sounds like a car. And I'm like, fuck off. I remember watching that thinking, I can't wait. You were the title of Victorious about a fucking month ago, you prick. Yeah. And now here you are faffing about with a feather boa and doing... <laughs> and um, just... I'm alluding to the fact that your TARDIS can be locked like a fucking vehicle. Try sake. I mean, that, that, that got me as well. No, but it is. It's poor, isn't it? Because it, it does end this special with him in tears, saying, I've gone too far. The woman he's just saved has committed suicide. You know, yeah. for, bear in mind, this is you know a show for younger people. This is dark. And then he's like, you must come to us. And you think that then the episode would open with him, Tardis appears, him panicking, running to the Ood, what have I done, sort of thing. And he turns up in a hat, sunglasses, and like Hawaiian flowers. And I just thought, I remember watching that and thinking, I just can't wait for you to die. Then yeah, and then he just gets to, uh, then obviously gets to Brian Cox's mm. saying uh, he's coming back, uh, the master's coming back or whatever. You got this rather cool sequence of the master returning, and then he becomes some skeleton with, that can fly, uh, which oh, yeah. which that was that was dumb. That was yeah. Really, John was, Sims' worst performance as the master for me. That was. Have you the guys ever heard I've... what the original plan for this was? No. Please no. tell me. I bet it was better. It's in the second edition of The Writer's Tale. It was going to be the Doctor saving a family on a spaceship. And it was just going to be a very small, self-contained story. And the Doctor was going to sacrifice himself to save the family. But John Sim had been on the press tour for something else saying, yeah, I'd love to do Doctor Who again. And I guess some of the higher ups told Russell T. Davis to get him on the phone and get him in for David Tennant's last hurrah. I mean, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, at the end of the day, at, at some point, I mean, a lot of people over the years have blamed Russell T. Davis, have blamed Moffat or Chibnall or whatever. Mm. But at the end of the day, there are some people high up at the BBC who will say, look, you've got a prime position on... BBC One on Christmas Day. You need to make this as appealing as possible. Let's bring back all the oldies. Let's bring back Catherine Tate. Let's bring... Because at the time, Catherine Tate was still very, very, very big. Oh, absolutely. Let's bring her back. Bernard Cribbins. Uh, We can give you um, June Whitfield as well. Uh, You know, let's get all these people in. And by the end of it, 
T Davis has to kind of go, okay, you know, this isn't on a Thursday night on December the 18th. This is on, you know, this is on Christmas Day. I have to make this appealing. So unfortunately he does, I think they all do really have to juggle the kind of the mainstream need of mm. BBC One with the something that will work as a decent drama and please the fan, the fanatics. So I can kind of get that to why they had to do that. But at the same time, the Time War was a very, very clever idea of separating the old series from the new series. It was a, yeah. it was a way of, a, you know, they call it a soft reboot, the way that he could go, okay, that's the old series, this is the new series. Nothing this is why really the continuity, changed. yeah, this is why the continuity slightly differs. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good sort of thing. So it's not, yeah, it separates it, as you say. Exactly that. And I think it was a shame to kind of just go back on that and bring in Timothy Dalton and just say, oh, yeah, he's Baru, he's um, he's, he's Rassilon, you know, who was always sort of painting out as a almost like a more godlike figure than Omega in the old series. Yeah, they've made him sort of power mad and evil. To be fair, Big Finish did that first. I didn't really mind it. I thought Timothy Dalton as Rassilon was, I thought I didn't mind it as such he did the part he turned up <laughs> um he looked quite menacing and i suppose it also i suppose it sort of deadened the thing of he killed his own kind to save or save a war and it turns out actually he was trying to prevent his own race from destroying mm. the universe which is an interesting angle anyway but, the one, but anyway the one positive i will say about that two part so especially is that uh, it gave us more of wilf absolutely yeah, it, it did give us a good character um, in wilf and i and wilf with the doctor was nothing short of of magic it was just uh, a a wonderful thing and the scene i know it's not technically a christmas special it's the new year one but uh when they're on the ship and he says i just i don't want you to die you know mm. that sort of whole thing is fucking excellent uh, uh performance so it's just any scene with the doctor and wilf is amazing in this two part yeah i just think as well <laughs> i mean we're going off subject a little bit here but i mean i think bernard cribbins and the doctor brilliant and i take that all the way back to doctor who and the daleks invasion of earth 2150 ad mm. his his relationship with the doctor in that is brilliantly charming as well and he's used that same charm and like a part of me i remember watching it and thinking you know the bit when um he says to wilf i'll see you again part of me thought please 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 just edit in that scene from the beginning of um dalek invasion earth 2150 ad <laughs> you know when he's younger in the back have him run in the tardis but cgi it so that tenant sees him or something i just thought well that'd be so cool to have him mm. go back and meet a younger bernard cribbins um i love bernard bernard cribbins is my favorite character in that film 2150 ad the way he talks to the doctor is just just i love it you know mm. maybe, it's quiet maybe it's sunday of course it's not sunday i'm playing football sunday it's that sort of charm like it's, yeah. it's and it's it's there in that you know he's probably what 30 35 in that film and yeah. i love that um he's that same sort of charm in when he's wilf as well but bernard cribbins just just absolutely fantastic and uh yeah he is the highlight of that christmas special and john sims as the master is one of the low points i just think that's so bad yeah. I think, yeah. I the only thing I did like about it was his was the laugh. I thought the the cackle was infectious and quite brilliant. But there there were there was there are bits where he's quite good. I mean, that's literally before Lucy Saxon blows herself up. <laughs> what I did actually quite like actually about the master, and it was it had arced back to the old Delgado relationship they had, where you know they sort of end up just. This is before he just suddenly freaks out, and goes, "They're real." 
and then yeah. just flies. But there were there are moments that I thought were really good bits. And um, I thought actually he came along and they did the whole redemption arc. Oh, they're bringing the master back have now ruined that as well. I thought the ending suited sort of the master in a sense, because it sort of felt like the master had, you know, he saves the doctor in the end, which was a nice, nice touch. And then, you know, sacrifices himself. Yeah, but then he's back to his evil ways. It it, it's true, because although when he comes back as Missy, she does, there's that element of, well, you kind of owe me. Because I did this, and that's quite cool. But but I, I did actually like John. My favourite performance of the Master, John Sim, was in Series Ten when he came yeah, back with absolutely. the goatee. He was yeah, so yeah, yeah. funny and so cool. And not enough of him. Maybe. Not enough of him. Yeah. I just love it when he gets in the thing and goes. He goes. The Doctor said to go without him, and he said he'd always hated you. Like I like that they both do that. He's great in that. I just thought, imagine a couple of episodes with John Sim as that Master. Would have been so much fun. I do like the fact that they did actually consider some continuity because they obviously said, "Well, hang on, do you look like Harold Saxon?" Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, uh, and I thought it's true because most of the time, and, and it's never been said before, is that he he disguises himself as a lot of people, but he disguised himself as the most famous person. That's quite cool. Positive thing I will say about the end of time. Uh, part two is and I, I talked about it a lot in the last episode as well is that it was one of the main moments I realised Doctor Who although it had been around for you know three or four well, what had been what, nearly five years at this point mm-hmm. it was the first time I really felt like Doctor Who was where it deserved to be in the mainstream like um, I, do you remember I mentioned this in the last episode Martin oh, where yeah, yeah. I had grown up you know I'd been a Doctor Who fan since I was three and my whole childhood like I said before I was the only one who really liked it I didn't know anyone else who liked it my cousin liked it and I liked it and that was it no other kids were interested in it no one else it was never really on telly when it was on telly it was in a sketch or it was in it was a joke it was on room 101 do you know I mean like it was a, yeah. it was seen as this naff little camp 70s show that was in the past and on New Year's Day 2010 I remember I'd been out the night before everyone at my uni and a lot of people had crashed our house the mm. next day. Uh, sorry, that night. And the next day we all woke up late, obviously. We were all just ordered in dominoes and we were all just, you know, monged out watching the telly in, in, in our living room. And there was honestly about 20 of us in the living room and everyone agreed that we had to watch Doctor Who. Like yeah. 20 of us, like all decided, you know, girls and guys, all we need to watch Doctor Who. And I think only two people were there didn't really weren't that interested in watching it, but we all put it on. And all I remember was that scene where he he lets Wilf, not scene, he lets Wilf out of the, um, yeah. the chamber and goes in himself. And it looks like he's about to change because he sort of grabs his face and falls to the floor. Yeah. I remember about seven people with their faces. Their nose is nearly touching the telly. Like, yeah. I looked at the whole room and not one person was saying anything. Everyone, no one was eating, no one was drinking, everyone was just staring at the telly. And I remember looking at all my mates at uni and thinking, yes, this is where this show needs to be. This, I was right. Like, it was this moment of, like, I was right. This show has always been incredible. I remember watching it as a six-year-old and saying to my parents, why isn't Doctor on telly anymore? And they just said, because it's not. Yeah. But why? Because it's not. And growing up, and my mates go, I don't like this, I like Power Rangers. That's what's Power Rangers instead. And I'd say to my friends, you know, this is good, this is really good. No, it's rubbish. And there I was, uh, you know, at this time, you know, yeah. I'm 19, 20 years old, and I'm in a room with people that at the age that goes up to 30, and we're all just watching it, so enthralled, waiting to see him change. <laughs> and it was like, 
I was like, yes, this is why Doctor Who is fucking brilliant. You you put a load of people in a room and you really watch it, and they were loving it, and everyone was loving it, and it was so fantastic. And you know, you, you hear now that you know there are millions and millions of people who tuned in to watch that episode. It mm. just makes everyone who grew up during the wilderness years go, fuck yeah, you know, this is finally back where it deserves. And that is one thing I will say is a massive positive for that story. It's one of my favourites. I didn't really enjoy it, but it was great that the whole nation held its breath to see david tennant change agreed yeah interestingly this is my son's favorite episode and the time part two no he loves it because matt smith was his first doctor and he remembers being like two or three years old and watching this when it transmitted Mm. so yeah and i remember all the speculation that matt smith was going to show up early because one of the angels had like a floppy hairstyle and everyone online was going yeah that's matt smith there but (laughs) yeah it didn't it didn't transpire but there was a part when he was in the radiation booth there was a moment where he had his hands covered and i thought are they going to regenerate him now so did i that's yeah. I thought he was going. Yeah. Nope, we'll drag it out. <laughs> we'll drag it out for another half an hour. <laughs> and have him, for some reason, find that Mickey is now married to Martha. Um, <laughs> they did like the little gag they put in for Sarah Jane Adventures, which was he stops them getting run over, purely yeah. because when they were doing the show, they'd have the rose closed off, so the actors never actually looked where they were going. They never looked out for traffic. So Russell Davies wrote this bit in. He thought that because they... They just obviously step out in the road without looking. And he said, well, I'm going to make that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and kill you, kids. Um. <laughs> okay, guys, I think that's it for this year. Let's wrap it up. This is our last episode until the new year. So to all our listeners, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy New Year.